0: Hello, everybody. This is your girl, Donna D, a.k.a. The Urban Mommy, and I am back with another podcast. You know, we are here to always make you better. We always have a very interesting story that can motivate you to always do your best. And today, I am joined with Miss Lee Lincoln. Hi, Hi. Lee. Hi. Great to be here. Thanks. Would you tell everybody about yourself? Can you tell us who, who is Lee?
1: Um, Well, I am the author of four inspirational novels. Um, I was a single mother, which I understand you are as well. Um, I raised my son to adulthood all by myself. So yeah, Um, and I became an author by accident. Wasn't something I was intentionally doing, but yeah, that's me.
0: (laughs) Great. So did you always want to be an author?
1: Nope. I was an avid reader. Um, I was a uh, homeless and poverty advocate for years. And uh, while I raised my son, I just was out there uh, struggling to help others uh, who maybe uh, were struggling like I was as a single mom. Uh, I never had much, which was okay. Uh, as us women who choose to raise our kids by themselves. Uh, I especially chose to homeschool and uh, work part-time. So uh, yeah, I kind of put myself in a really wonky position by choice because I felt my son should be my priority. But I also gave to others. I I helped homeless, I helped uh, in soup kitchens. I did a lot of work. And so, yeah, I just, I was doing all of these things and out there doing a lot of things and just struggling to, to get by and being an author was never on my radar uh, at all. And, and again, I, it was purely an accident and there, there's a whole story behind this and how I ended up on this path. And and (laughs) um, I find
0: something interesting. You say that, it was a choice and you also said you put yourself in that situation but i don't even think it's really a choice when you're a mother and when you're a good mother i don't even think there's another option
1: well for me i i i had a lot of people tell me that i should work full-time i should put my son in school i should put my son in daycare And i was like no that this is this is I always wanted to be a mom and I wanted to raise my son and do everything for him and and I was like yeah no don't tell me what I should be doing it needs to be my choice my decision and so yeah homeschooling as a single parent is usually not done. I think I'm the only one I've ever heard of, so. <laughs> but, but it was something I wanted to do. I wanted to be the best parent I could be, even though the situation was extremely different. Um, and so, yeah, I went to all the, the homeschooling groups and yeah, all of these parents were doing it as couples. And then there was me, the one single parent in the group. <laughs> right.
0: So if you could, if you could do it again, would you?
1: i i most definitely would it was hard it was extremely difficult i'm not i'm not gonna sugarcoat this at all <laughs> right but right. but it was the right choice for me and my son uh, he will disagree vehemently. <laughs> but i still think it was the right choice for us um because i raised him not a bunch of strangers and i'm not saying this is the right choice for everyone but for us it was the right choice i got you okay so
0: can you tell me a little bit more sorry about, being,
1: uh, oh, homeless. Okay. Yeah. about being an author
0: no i said you're home, homeless
1: Oh yeah, I I worked in a lot of homeless shelters and soup kitchens and I just volunteered anywhere anyone would let me because I just felt giving back was important. And to show those, uh, show that to my son was important, that it's not about us. It's about everyone. Everyone has something to give and every life is valuable, no matter who they are or what position in life they have. And so it was important to show those things to my son, that it, we all are human, we all have value. And so I wanted to make sure my son learned those lessons from very early age. And so it didn't matter that, you know, I was a single parent. It still was something I wanted him to learn. And so, yeah, we always were out there volunteering and doing something.
0: Okay, that's good. So do you think it, it made him into the person he is today? Did he keep those same values?
1: I, I do believe he did. Um, as an adult, I do think he has the same values, whether he wants to admit it or not. <laughs> right? Yeah. Good. Yeah, I think I gave him a good foundation in life, and I think it's made him a strong man, um, So, which I think is important.
0: Extremely. Okay. So can you tell me what inspired you to be coming out? I know you told me there was a story behind it. What's what inspired you?
1: Well, I was at this community meeting one night. The topic was of particular interest to me and I had something to say. But the man who was leading the, that meeting that night pointed to all the other people in the room to hear what they had to say rather than me the politician, the local businessman, all of these other people, he pointed to them and just ignored me. So at the end of the meeting, I went up to this guy and to try to say what I wanted to say. But instead of listening to me, he shut me down. And he said, you're just a woman, you're just a mom, you're just a volunteer, you don't have the right education. He gave me this whole list of excuses why he didn't wanna to listen to me. It would have taken him less time to hear what I had to say than for me to hear his excuses. So I went home that night, extremely frustrated and angry. And I realized that this wasn't the only time someone had ignored me. I was not valued. I was worthless. I was weak. I was unimportant. I was invisible. And I realized that this was wrong on so many levels. And instead of taking my frustrations out on the guy, I started journaling and I just poured out my frustrations on paper. And I just did this night after night after night for several months. And then I looked at what I'd written like three or four months later. And I realized I flipped at some point from writing about me to writing from the perspective of a homeless woman. And I accidentally written a novel. Because here's the thing. A lot of stories that I had heard from homeless women were very similar to what I was feeling, that they were ignored, that they weren't valued, they were invisible. And so there was a common thread there, which is probably why my brain flipped at some point. So I I took this hot mess of a a novel and I went with a founder of local writers group, uh, cleaned it up some, took it to an editor, cleaned it up a little bit more, And then I was like, well, you know, what do I do with this? Okay, I'll publish it. It's probably going to be ignored because, well, yeah, for 30 something years, everybody's been ignoring me. Nobody's going to read this thing, right? I'll sell maybe 10 copies. I'll raise a little bit of money for charity. Life will be good, right? But the interesting thing happened. You publish a book. You're an expert instantly because you've got your name in print, right? (laughs) And I didn't see this happening at all and all of a sudden people were asking me to speak about homelessness and poverty and to help them raise money for their charity right and i'm like wait wait y'all are the same people who were ignoring me for all these years and now you want me to speak okay we're all good (laughs) right now you have a voice
0: and now all of a sudden I
1: have this amazing voice, and it's just gotten bigger over the years, because that first book, Road Home, was published in 2016, and obviously I kept going. I got bored now, right? And so my platform has just gotten bigger, and it's gotten to be about more than just homelessness, because now I, I get to talk to all these women about, don't let anybody put you in this little tiny little box and tell you who and what you are, because I heard from so many women now, not just homeless women, but all kinds of women. You know, women who are in boardrooms even that feel that way, that they've been put in a box and told that their voice doesn't matter. And I'm like, what is it with women? We all do this. We all allow ourselves to be put in this box. And I'm just like, oh, just no, just no. And I hear from so many women, oh, but I'm just a, I am just I can not and you can fill in the blank with whatever at this point, you know? We all do it. We all allow ourselves to be minimized. And I'm just like, oh, no, 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 no. Just stop. And in particular, moms. I hear this mostly from moms. I'm just a mom. I can't. And just fill in the blank with whatever. No, you are never just a mom. And being a single mom in particular, because do you know how many things you have to do in a day? <laughs> you are a cook you are a chauffeur you are an accountant you are an organizer you a are a champion yeah a doctor a nurse a counselor you know have things you are yeah i'm just like oh forget this throw this word just out of your vocabulary
0: <laughs> that is so true so when you were dealing with the the homeless women it was just a homeless women shelter or was it homeless men and women?
1: Uh, I've worked with both uh, uh, over the years. Because again, I did this for 30 something years. I've done both. Um, And I have worked with shelters. I've also gone out into parks and sat with people on benches and, and talked to them. Because here's the thing, a lot of homeless people will not go to shelters or soup kitchens until someone goes to them where they're camping And talk to them so it's one of these things and there's a lot of uh, a lot of reasons for this so you have to go to them and then convince them that you're trustworthy and then maybe they will come and get the services so yeah i've gone to a lot of wonky places
0: (laughs) that was going to be my next question is why do you believe that they don't just go to the shelter is it because you said because they don't trust
1: a lot of it is they don't trust and a lot of it is reasons. Reasons why they've ended up homeless. And a lot of it is what has happened on the spiral down into homelessness.
0: Um,
1: because they they you know, there's there's always a reason why they've ended up homeless. And then once they hit the bottom, a lot of times they end up using drugs or alcohol. It's not a precip- precipitating factor, but it ends up compounding the problem with once they hit rock bottom and so then they feel like there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and so then things just get out of hand and they feel like i'm not worthy i you know nobody's going to want to help me so there's a lot of factors involved and so if you go to them wherever they are then they are much likely to trust you and especially if you're willing to just sit there and listen to whatever happened in their life To get them on that where they're ended up experiencing homelessness and again there's a lot of studies about this and a lot of reasons for homelessness but you've got to be willing to get them to trust you like no trust and but a lot of people aren't willing to go where they are and then they and then they get upset well why don't they go seek help well Again, there's a lot of reasons for this and a lot of it is shame and fear um, because there's so much involved and there's there's so many complicating factors in there. And until you've sat down in a park with someone who hasn't had a shower in three months, you're you, you really not going to understand why these people aren't willing to seek help.
0: Do you think <laughs> mental health is a big
1: issue? Mental health can be a big issue. And again, it doesn't, it doesn't, come into play before they're experiencing homeless. It comes into play usually afterwards because once they've been out on the streets for a while, then all of these issues tend to creep in. And it's like drugs and alcohol as well. That tends to not be a factor before, it tends to be a factor after. And that's one of the big myths around homelessness. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, they're all addicts, right? Some of them are, some of them aren't, and if they are, it usually happens afterwards. And and I see this a lot, and I I hear this a lot, and I'm like, oh, but you don't quite understand what happened before, and this is what you need to get to, is you need to get to the before, not the after, And, um, and this is why I'm a big advocate of stopping homelessness before it starts. And we need to help people before they they are they are totally split into homelessness because there's a long slope that you know to get to homelessness. It doesn't just happen overnight. You know, they can't jump in the road and then they don't quite know how to get over that bump, and then they they spiral, and then the spiral just doesn't stop. And that's where we need to intervene is when they're on that spiral. How can we help them? Well, this is the big thing, is we need to know our neighbors. And anymore, nobody knows their neighbors. Nobody knows what their neighbors are dealing with. Nobody knows their neighbors' names a lot of times. Now, I'm here in Georgia, we just had a hurricane. Let me use this as a prime example. And we were trying to help our neighbors because everyone had damage from the hurricane literally everyone and why did it take a hurricane before everyone joined together to help each other right this shouldn't have been the case we should have all been helping each other always right and during the pandemic you know there were so many people that that lost their apartments and their homes during the pandemic because they lost their jobs and Could we have helped our neighbors and intervened and said, yeah, I know this person just lost their job, so let's let's see if we can help them um, stay in their homes a little bit longer by providing them some food, helping them find another job that they can maybe do from home temporarily until the pandemic is over, right? These are the things, but if we don't even know our neighbor's name, How can we help them? And this is a a big thing that I'm an advocate of is knowing your neighbor because it starts in our neighborhoods. It starts where we are and helping who we are connected with locally. And and if we don't even know their names, we can't help them. If we aren't friends with anyone, and, and this is part of our disconnected digital age where we have a thousand friends on Facebook, but do we know who lives next door to us? Probably not. Probably not.
0: <laughs> I like that. The dis- I'm, I'm taking notes. So if you see me t- turning my head, it's because I'm writing. I like that. The disconnected digital age. So, of course, that's social media, what social media has done to us as a community.
1: And here's the thing. Social media can actually help us connect to our neighborhood you know there's there's the neighborhood app uh the the next door is it next door next yeah door. next door app yeah and facebook even has local groups do we use them no so there is a way to connect digitally with our neighbors but do we use it no uh not unless there's there's a reason to um, exactly and but no we need to use these things for good and to 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 help each other before things get out of hand and, and reach this crisis level and I'm all about simple solutions to big problems Because again, these are big problems But if we bring it down to something really simple like everyone just watching out for their neighbors, you know Hey, I noticed that the neighbor all of a sudden isn't leaving home every day Is that because they lost their job or are they now working from home? Maybe I should go ask, you know, and not like be really in their face. Like, Hey, did you lose your job? You know, just, just say, Hey, you know, I live next door. Um, is everything going okay with you? You know, just be real simple, not confrontational or, you know, just, just check in and make sure that everything is good. So really simple.
0: that's a good point. And then of course you have to make sure that you're coming to them from love how can, because the the world we live in now, everyone just minds their business for the most part. So, how can we start to do stuff like that without seeming like without seeming like we are invading someone's privacy or we're being, uh, you know, I don't even know what word to use, but we're just kind of being nosy. Like, how do we let them know? Listen, I'm just here to help. I'm just trying to see.
1: A plate of cookies goes a long way. Okay. I thought that was only on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just simple kindness. I, I am all about simple acts of kindness. You know, show up on your neighbor's door with a plate of cookies. Say, hey, you know, I don't think we've ever really met. I'm blah, blah, and I live over here. And I'm just checking in to see if you're having a great day. You know, just keep it real simple, real light. It doesn't have to be cookies, you know, whatever. Just bring them something little and just say, hey, I just, I just wanted to get get to know you a little better. You know, keep it light, keep it easy breezy, and just make sure that they're doing okay. Especially if you see something that's a little abnormal. And especially if you know they're older, you know, older neighbors, especially right now, since the pandemic, I know a lot of them are really struggling. And with inflation, too, you know, the cost of everything has gone up. Right, and just, right. just keep it light. Just keep it easy. And and then if they say something, you know, you can you can say, hey, let let's see if we can work this out. You know, because it's like like I say, here in Georgia, we just had this hurricane. It shouldn't take something big for everyone to chip in and help each other. It should be an everyday. Let's always make sure we're okay. Uh, and this used to be how we did things this used to be normal let's bring this back let's let's make sure everyone's okay
0: yeah that's probably one thing i miss about i don't want to say i miss because i don't yeah i did experience it because when i was younger that did happen we had a, a very huge sense of community but you're right like i honestly i don't really know my neighbors as much i know my neighbors to the right and to the left of me you know what let me take that back my block is pretty good um, but it took a while to get there, and I wish that, you know, we would be, we can be more, like, friendly toward each other. But I may try to go buy some cookies and drop them off.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and these simple acts of kindness used to be a normal part of everyday America. And they've just gone out the window, and I don't know why, and I don't know when. But we need to bring this back. And a I lot know. of people say, I'm kind of a Pollyanna. But, but we are so divided in this country. We need to, to just do simple little things. And this is how we stop the division. And this is how we start caring for each other. And this is how, again, we solve some of these big problems by making them small problems.
0: You know, and- there's a, I think it's an African proverb. I may be wrong. I may have heard this somewhere, but there's a story um, that says, how do you eat An elephant, and the answer is one piece at a time.
1: Exactly. I I don't know where it really came
0: from, but I think I heard someone say it was an African proverb. So that's that kind of goes toward what you were saying. It may be a huge problem, but if we take little bitty pieces, you know, if we keep doing it, all that problem will go away.
1: Yep, and and I'm also a big proponent of you know. Anytime anyone needs anything for me. I'm I jump right in. I never say no and I'm probably too giving I, I I know this but But this is something we also need to be willing to do. You know, you need to have some boundaries. Obviously, you know, like If if your child needs something You, you say yes if your neighbor needs something and it's just something that's outside of your wheelhouse help them find somebody who who can help them, right? But we need to not always say no just because it's an inconvenience. And I hear this a lot, how it's just such an inconvenience. But when you need help and then you get angry because no one's willing to help you, well, Mm. is it because you were never willing to help someone else, you know?
0: (laughs) So true, that is so true. A lot of times we don't see what other we don't see what other people going are going through, but we want them to see what we're going through.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah. Right. And this gets back to the whole we're very divided as a society right now, and it's it just it's really frustrating to me because it again this is this is something that's fairly simple, you know, just start with your neighbors.
0: Yep. Okay. So let's get to your books. Which one is your first book?
1: My first book is Road Home, Road and home. that's Road Home, and that is the story about a homeless hitchhiker who learns that home just isn't what she thought it was.
0: So all of these are fiction?
1: They're all fiction, yep. Okay,
0: so are they all related or is it is it standalone?
1: They're, they're a series, but they're each individual standalone books. Uh, they're connected by theme, not by character. Okay. So each book has a different character who faces a problem that they have to fix so they share their story with someone and then they're on a physical, spiritual, and emotional journey as they try to resolve the problem.
0: Okay. So if you can pick which one is your favorite character of your books?
1: My favorite character is still from my first book, Road Home, Cindy the homestead I just am so in love with her, even though that is, I've written three more now. I just love that first book because it's just so raw, deep and emotional. And I just connect with her on so many levels. And it's just, it's a beautiful story. And even though it is a really rough story, because I really wasn't trying to write a story. And I realized it's, a hot mess, even with an editor. I understand that. But it's still my favorite, and I still love that character.
0: Okay. Is there any character in the book that would probably be your least favorite? Is it someone that, not? it doesn't have to be a main character, but is there any character in the book that you dislike?
1: Uh, there's several, but... <laughs> <laughs> Because, of course, you have your your have your characters that you don't really like. You have them in there for, for tension and drama. So so I have several in there that I don't particularly like, but they're there for tension and drama. Like uh, uh, Miss Minnie's son, who gets really angry. So, yeah, I, I've got a few in there.
0: So. <laughs> All right, so you have a, a couple. So where yeah. do you find the inspiration for those books? Is it from working in the shelter?
1: Uh, so that first book totally was working with homeless women. And then as I've gone on, each book has has different themes. So the next book, um, Road to Freedom, is about an immigrant from Cuba and Spain. And so that inspiration came from my travels uh, to, to Europe and uh, meeting immigrants uh, in Miami, because I've spent a lot of time in Miami. And then... Um, Uh, Finding The Real Road is about a woman with a really bad marriage. And so that came out of just talking to a lot of women who just really struggled in their marriages and trying to find themselves. And so that's where that book came from. And then The Road West also uh, was uh, about a woman who just almost had an affair and all her guilt. That also came out of talking to a lot of women. Um, who just really feel guilty over a lot of crazy things that they probably shouldn't feel guilt over, but they do, because we women just tend to over-dramatize a lot of things. Uh, And that also has a lot of travel in it because it talks about um, Spain and Italy and Cuba. So I love to travel. I I just, I'm always wandering somewhere.
0: (laughs) What's uh, What's your favorite place to travel?
1: Uh, Spain. I, I go to Spain all of the time. I love Spain and part of it is because of the culture. Yeah. It, this is a culture that they shut down for several hours in the afternoon so everyone can go home and take a nap. Really? Oh my gosh, it's a beautiful country. <laughs> and then and then they have these at dinner time you can have dinner at a beautiful restaurant and sit on their patio and no one's going to kick you out. You can be there for four hours enjoying your wine and watching people walk by in the street and no one's going to care, unlike American restaurants where they'll kick you out after 30 minutes, right? No. And, and everyone is family. So like if you're there with a small group, like two or three people in your group, the people at the table next next to you are going to pull you into their conversation and, and talk to you like you're part of their group, right? Wow. Because, yeah, it's just amazing and fun, and and they just are so warm and friendly, and I just love Spain. There's just something about their whole beautiful, crazy culture.
0: Do you speak Spanish?
1: Un um, poquito. Here. Yo entiendo no hablo.
0: Here. You want to you don't speak it.
1: Exactly. So i get in a lot of trouble
0: a lot of trouble. Yes, I can imagine. So with the exception of the first book, how long does it take you to write those
1: books? It takes me about a year because I am one of these people that, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing. So I throw spaghetti on the wall until something sticks. And so um, to get a book that's 50 to 60,000 words, I end up putting more than 200,000 words on the page. (laughs) And then we whittle it down until we find some golden nuggets in there.
0: <laughs> so you don't self-publish, you go through a publisher.
1: I self-publish, yeah. I totally self-publish, but I work with this really amazing editor who is really good with helping me find this little golden nugget in the middle of all my craziness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, okay. Um. So for the book, you said a Cuban immigrant, right? For the
1: the railroad? The second one. Yeah, the second. Road to Freedom. Yeah, Freedom. Yeah. Did you have to incorporate, in of, you huh? had to incorporate
0: a lot of Spanish in that one?
1: That one has quite a bit of Spanish in it, which uh, frustrates some people because I didn't translate all of it. But there was a reason for that. I wanted people to understand what it is like to be married to someone who doesn't speak the same language as you. Yeah, and exactly. I did this on purpose, and then I get these emails from people going, "I didn't understand a lot of this book," and I'm like, "Yep, that was the intention." Right. right. Um, yeah, because because I know several people who have married immigrants, um, not just Spanish-speaking immigrants, but uh, other languages, and and they have this this crazy dialogue with their spouses. Where only half of what they're saying is fully understood. And so I wanted people to fully get this misunderstanding. And so some of the Spanish is translated and some of it is not. And then there's this crazy misunderstanding between the the the, the couple. And I did this on purpose. And, and some people totally get it and they understand why I did it. And some people are like, just getting frustrated because there's so much Spanish in there that's just not translated. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) But I did this for a reason.
0: (laughs) All right, so with the characters in your book, I know they're they're a series, but they're standalone, but do any of your characters go into other books? So like, does Cindy pop up in any of the other books?
1: Nope, not at all. Well, okay. In the fourth book, uh, Diamond is the mother of Amy from the third book, but I don't specifically mention that because I didn't want people to feel like they had to read the third book to understand the fourth book, so I was really careful how I did that, Um, but if you've read both books, you see the tie, but if you haven't read both books, you can totally read both of them without missing anything so I was really careful how I did that because I as a reader hate it when I have to read a series in order or I'm thoroughly lost days and confused so I was really careful as an author how I did this so that people wouldn't have to read them in order or read both of those books to understand what was going on I was trying to be respectful
0: right so
1: (laughs) do you have plans for more? Yes my new book series is coming out this year um, and it is called Path to Family and the first book will be Lost Father and it is a series on adoption and so the first book is about the birth father and it is totally from his perspective and you'll see him as he slowly reveals everything in his life from the moment he got his girlfriend pregnant.
0: Okay. So how did you get the the inspiration to do that? Because I know you have to do a lot of research when it comes to adoption and feelings that come along with it. That takes a lot of research.
1: Yes, I did a ton of research for this book. I started with my own story because I am adopted. And then I also interviewed uh, various uh, people who were adopted. Um, people who gave up children for adoption, and um, families who adopted children. So the four books in the series will be from the birth father's perspective, the birth mother's perspective, the adoptive parents, and then finally from the child will be the fourth book. So yeah, I've been interviewing all kinds of people. And then I also went to Fort Sam Houston in Texas um, because uh, the birth father ended up being an army medic in Vietnam. So I went to Fort Sam Houston because that is where they train on medics. And so I did a ton of research just for this first book. And then I'm ongoing more research uh, for the the next book, um, which will be the birth mother. And I'm still working on the research I need for that book, um, which will be coming out next year. So, yeah, this is an ongoing process doing research. Um, I am research heavy when I do my books. Um, it, it's, yeah it's it's a labor of love for me um when i do my books but all of my books these four books have done tons of research on so it's nothing new for me to do research but uh but yeah people some people are really surprised when they hear how much research i do for a book but that's part of the uh it takes a year to write a book process is i'm traveling i'm selling my current books and then i'm deep diving research and i'm writing crazy about and so it is it is a hard journey um but i love it and like i say it is a labor of love for me to bring each book to life and so this next book will be out in november on national adoption day november 18th and i'm so excited to bring it out
0: That's amazing that you can write one story from four different perspectives, so you have to have a huge imagination to be able to carry on four different stories in your head. That is amazing.
1: Yeah, and, and this one is going to have more of a, a tie than this previous series, clearly, because it's right. um, each book will have, like I say, will have a slightly different perspective of the same experience because clearly it's all centered around one child. So, right,
0: so you're basically telling the same story four different ways.
1: Exactly, yep. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: I have, yeah. I'm also an author, so I, I write book. Uh, the book that I – the book I wrote, the first book is from the perspective of the person who the who the book is about. But then the second book, I, I can't do a whole book on that person. I'm not that good, but I can do like a chapter or so. So I'll give each chapter will go to a person so they can give their perspective. But I like what you're doing because my goal is to one day give all of those people their own book so that they can explain everything that's going on as well. So salute to you. That's awesome to be able to have the brain power to do all that
1: it is it is not easy and i'm trying and i i have this giant storyboard on my wall um to make sure that all the threads connect properly because you don't want to mess this up because timeline and everything has to be perfect and carry through all four books so it it yeah i've got (laughs) you wouldn't believe the storyboard i've got going on for this series it's it is by the time i get done it's it's going to be this whole crazy universe on on my wall (laughs) but
0: yeah people don't realize like when you're writing just like i was listening to an actor he said that actors don't act they become yeah writers is it's the same thing so we we are not creating i mean we are these stories we don't create them all this is going on in our heads so we literally have to i had to go back and give all of my characters birthdays and and started putting everything about them so that when i Mention them again. I don't mess something up because I have to say, yeah. "Oh, it was fall," and she was excited about her birthday. I have to remember her birthday is this day. So you, you literally have to become these people so that you can
1: keep exactly. Up yeah, I, my characters speak to me. I it's it, <laughs> and and some people think that sounds absolutely crazy and wonky, but it's totally true. They they literally speak to me, and yeah, and. They they all have their own personalities and quirks and everything and and so it's really important that my storyboard is exactly perfect, right? And especially when you're doing this big of a series and yeah, so it's it, yeah, it's, but it's totally fun creating this whole universe for them. So <laughs> it is. Funny. People always
0: ask me. They say, "Can you put me in your book? Put me in your book?" And I'm like, "Listen, I can put you in my book, but I cannot promise you what's going to happen because I don't know. Like once I start, <laughs> when I put a character on a page." My pen just takes over. I have no idea what's going to happen to them. So I could put you in my book, but you may turn into a witch or something. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah, I
0: don't know, because I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, when I I talk to somebody, he said he does his books. He knows how the ending is going to be. I don't know what the ending of my books are going to be. I start writing, and then things just happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I oftentimes don't even know I'm at the end until I'm at the end. And then right. I'm like, am I sure this is the end? Maybe, maybe that. And then I asked my editor and she's like, no, you're done. That's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes.
0: All right. So we are coming up on the end, which this was a very good conversation. It went so fast.
1: Oh, it did. Oh, yeah, it did. I yeah, did. Like was like a at 40. <laughs> like, wow. Okay, so,
0: my, sorry about the sirens. They always do that. But my question is, if you can go back and talk to 17-year-old Lee, what would you say? What would you tell her about life?
1: Oh, that you, you should have figured out who and what you were way sooner. You would have been a better parent. You would have been a better volunteer you would have been a better person if you had figured out who and what you were before you were almost 50.
0: <laughs> okay, so you would tell her that she needs to start loving and or not loving but understanding herself because she's going to exactly. spend a long, a long time trying to find it.
1: Yes, I I definitely should have figured out that way sooner. <sighs>
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: So Find your voice, find your passion, and just go live life, which I did not do until I was almost 50, which was a mistake.
0: Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, Okay. So what about, what would you, since you have so much experience with the homeless population, let's pretend there was a lady that came to you. She has two kids, single parent, and she is on the brink of becoming homeless what would you what would you tell her about the journey that she is about to go on
1: well i I, single parents who are about to become homeless that is really difficult because if they identify as homeless they're going to lose their children almost every state yes
0: really i did not know that
1: oh yeah this is why a lot of them don't identify as homeless and they end up in their cars or someplace else because uh, they lose their children. This is why a lot of schools don't ask kids if they're homeless because they know if they identify them as homeless, they will have to separate them from their parents.
0: Well, I think here, I can't think of the name of the law, but there's some kind of law where they actually give the kids more if they're homeless. I'm going to have to look it up. I won't send it to you. But well, that's interesting, it's yeah. good to in a, know. In
1: a lot of states, they put the kids in foster care. Um, so I, when I've worked with women in states where this is the case, um, I've kindly helped them to places who are willing to help them and not separate them from their children. Um, because there are places that are willing to help no matter what, and it's a don't ask, don't tell situation. Um, even in states where that is the situation. But this is this is, this is is one of the big tragedies in America, is there are thousands and thousands of single moms who are homeless. And a lot of them don't ever come out of the woodwork, and we will never know that they are out there. there a lot of the couch surf, they, they go from Friend to friend to friend. And these these are the ones we need to help the most. But they are the hardest to identify.
0: Right. Oh, that's so sad. Hmm. Okay. So where can people keep up with you and where could they buy your books?
1: The best and easiest way is to go to my website, which is com. It's L-E-I-G-H, com. All of my social media is on there. You can purchase books directly from there. Uh, it'll direct you either to Amazon or you can purchase a print book directly from there that are autographed. Oh, wow. That's nice.
0: Okay. So everything pretty much is easy. It can find, just go to LeeLincolnArthur.com.
1: Yep. Okay. All right. That's I, have, great. I have set it up to be super easy. One stop. Everything's there. So, okay. and you can subscribe to my newsletter and get my free short story. If you go to my website, so everything's there.
0: Okay. All right. Well, definitely. I will definitely check it out. I would like to thank you for your time. Thank you for patiently waiting. Just thank you for, your story, because I'm sure this will inspire someone. I live in New Orleans and we have a huge um, population. I saw somewhere they said they didn't want to say homeless anymore. I forgot what it was called, so I don't want to offend anybody. But we have a Uh, homeless population.
1: Yeah, certain people want to say people experiencing homelessness, but that is hard to say. It's almost a tongue twister, so yeah. Yeah, it's a lie. Mm -hmm.
0: we have a lot and to be um, completely honest with you, I actually have a brother who I will say chooses to be homeless, but I mean, it's probably some mental stuff going on at some point. I'm not sure, but he actually chooses to be there. I mean, he may have left now before a while he was literally living under the bridge. So and it was hurt. It was hurtful for us, his siblings to know that he wouldn't come to us. He would go, you know, there. And even he's such a, wants to be such a big man he probably wouldn't even come to us because he would probably feel embarrassed or you know like you said ashamed
1: yeah and again yeah you need to go to him
0: yeah and that's and that's why i'm I'm happy you said that because i will be using this information for my own um my my own issues myself to check on him a little bit more and try to because he's he likes to stay to himself, so that's a good thing. I'm definitely going to reach out to him, so I appreciate you. Every time I see him, I, I drive, and I pass, and I wave at him, and I say, you need anything? And he said, I'm OK. So
1: yeah, that's, and that's And that is very typical, yeah. very typical. And I, I saw that so much over the years. Yeah. Um, and the longer there, the longer people are on the streets, the more common that is, that they're just, I'm fine. Just, just keep going. But, You know, snacks, water, and like no trust. And eventually they will see that you you don't have an agenda and, and you can, you can figure out what is the best way to help them. Right. But it's, it's gotta be on their terms, baby steps.
0: Right. Like that
1: elephant. I've known people that, that were experiencing chronically homelessness and that the how we did it was we got them from going from the park of the bridge to uh to the, the a church sleeping at the back of a church right not inside a church but in the back of a church and then they were able to maybe move to a shelter or someone's backyard right they were still camping they would still have their own private space but that was okay and then they were moved onto a porch right they were still outside but they were a little closer and then on a couch and then on a bed, right? So it was baby steps. It didn't It didn't happen overnight. And some of them were never able to move into a shelter because there was too many people. That was just too much. But it was baby steps. And what was most comfortable for them? Gotcha. And you have to figure that out and you have to find out what is most comfortable for them. And again, sometimes it's, you know, finding a backyard that's safe uh, or, you know, a porch that's safe that they're comfortable going to. You know, and not necessarily a shelter. Some of them, a shelter is too much. It's too much. It's too loud. It's too noisy. So, you have to figure out what their triggers are and what they would consider safe. And baby steps. Okay. Baby, steps.
0: baby steps. I like it. Okay. So, again, thank you, Lee. Thank you all for staying with us for this entire time. I hope that we were able to help you if you have any issues or. You just, just to help you better understand homelessness because it's a huge issue in the country and it's getting worse in my area. Um so it's getting worse everywhere. Yeah, it's getting worse. So if we can we need to start doing those simple acts of kindness like Lee mentioned and start being nicer to someone because sometimes that one nice thing that we do may be the all that they, you know, have the only nice thing that someone has ever done for them in a while, you know. So we gotta bring that back. Yes. Is there anything you'd like to say, Lee?
1: Nope. Just it. Thank right. you so much for having me. It was a wonderful, wonderful chat.
0: Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. You all enjoy if The Lord says the same. I will see you all next week. Thank you.